Dan Healy here from the Miami Hitch UK. Before we come into today's episode, I just want to tell you about our new sponsor, that is At Mugs NFL. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this guy's account now. They specialise in the personalisation of any sports team mugs and t-shirts and hoodies so you give them whatever team you want in whatever color scheme with whatever player name whatever player number you want and they will put it on a mug t-shirt or hoodie don't be put off by their twitter handle which is at mugs nfl because it's not just the nfl they do any sports any american sport any english sport whatever you want they will put it on a mug t-shirt or hoodie so go and check them out secondly We are now part of the Overtime Heroics Network. Please check out OvertimeHeroics.net for more great American sports content. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. Here's your host, Dan Healy, also known as At the Miami Heat UK. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy, and today I'm very happy to announce I have got Mr. David Ramil from the Locked on Heat podcast network with me today. David, how are you, sir? I am doing very well, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to talking with you. Not at all, no. Thank you for so much uh, to, to you. And um, before we get started, how are you? How's things over uh, over your side of the pond? Um, the last time I, I did a episode, um, which was a couple of weeks ago now, uh, things were obviously very fractured, very tempered. Um, it was not long after uh, the, the, the tragic events had taken place uh, with George Floyd. So um, have things, obviously, the movement is still obviously uh, in full swing, which is brilliant uh, worldwide. Uh, how are things actually in the States right now? Have uh, have things calmed down a little bit in terms of, you know, the, the looting, rioting, etc.? Um, is it or is it still a very sort of angry, uh, fractured place right now? Uh, I think it's more of the latter, unfortunately. I think right. the, the reports of looting were probably pretty wildly exaggerated when they were first reported. And then since then, it's kind of died down significantly, at least from what we've heard. Unfortunately, the events of police brutality and racial injustice haven't ended. And so that's uh, pretty apparent. Still, uh, yeah. still taking place pretty widely. And uh, I, I don't know that there's going to be a resolution to that anytime soon. And, and, you know, things are kind of building up here. Actually, as we're recording this, we're celebrating Juneteenth here as a national yeah. holiday. It's not quite a national holiday, although it seems like things are gearing up more towards that end. Uh, and hopefully there will be some national proclamation that this is going to be a, a you know a lasting holiday. But at the same time, at least I, I think there's more widespread recognition and awareness. And at the very least, uh, you know, I think people are starting to become a little bit more aware of the nature of what's happening and, and mm-hmm. how we can make make changes that are positive for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, this is uh, this is the main thing. I mean, um, I don't think that anybody's silly enough to think that um, they wasn't aware of what was happening beforehand, and I don't think anybody's also silly enough to be to to be like naive to think that this is all going to stop. But one thing um, I think is clear is that this is the most powerful movement we've probably ever seen, and um, 
and that's why there's a lot of work to, uh, to do. But at least now we're 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 all actively talking about it and actively getting a uh, getting a way round to, to to trying to sort out these these uh, terrible injustices, as you said. Um, so it brings us on to um, to the main subject now, which is uh, obviously uh, the NBA has announced its return to play uh, plan. Um, and of course, uh, the main news over, over the last five to seven days has been the uh, the players' union call um, that maybe this isn't the best time to be bringing back um, the NBA or sport in general when there are so many more serious matters going on and the focus could be shifted away from that and the good progress that maybe could, it could be making. Now, there's a couple of things I, I, I want your take on. Before we get onto the main thing with it, um, one thing um, that's caused a lot of stir maybe is not so much the message, but that the messenger, uh, and that is uh, obviously with Kyrie Irving um, uh, of the Players' Union, uh, taking this stance and, and heading this uh, call, if you like. Um, now, there's been one or two situations, mainly one thing that caused quite a stir again, it was uh, was Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN. Um, he was one in one of his tweets that, that labelled Kyrie the disruptor in this. Now, do you think... Um, you know, we know what Kyrie's like, you know, he's this flaky character and he's got his own beliefs that, um, you know, we all know about now. Um, is this, should, should this, is this fair to be, to be creating a, a label like that for somebody for just because maybe some of his past, um, you know, beliefs and things to, to what's actually a very serious message. And, you know, for example, if this was being headed by say, like somebody called like, for example, like Chris Paul, uh, would we be having this conversation with uh, with with the messenger rather than a message? What do you what do you feel on 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 this stance with with Kyrie? And do you think this has been maybe unfairly uh, criticised because of it? Yeah, I actually do. I I believe Wojnarowski Woj is being antithetical to the the tenets of reporting, which are supposed to be unbiased, and mm. he's clearly steering the conversation in one way. And I know a lot of this is. Based on one, he wants to ingratiate himself for the continued access that he gets, the unparalleled access that he gets uh, as far as being able to stay connected with teams and front offices, all of whom are gearing for this plan to, to you know take place as quickly as possible. And, and I think that's a big part of it is the more we hear about what kind of media access will be available in this bubble environment, the more it becomes apparent that it will be limited to just ESPN reporters that are completely plugged in being that ESPN is a property of Disney world corporation. And so, I mean, that's, it's all tied together there that ESPN is a Disney corporation who is going to be housing the NBA. And so there's a lot of that going on there. And I think, you know, part of it is probably also Kyrie's reputation. He's probably not the most forthcoming with reporters. He's somewhat trouble troublesome as far as, his opinion and things of that sort. I, I know it depends on which reporter you ask. Yeah. But to me, I, I've never had a problem with him personally. I, I mean, I've talked to him before. He's he's fine. He can get a little unusual at times. But I, I think it does take away from the message when you start labeling him a disruptor. And I think even in that same day, uh, you had Chris Haynes of of Yahoo Sports calling his his you know what what Kyrie was able to say on that phone call inspirational. And I think yeah. that that kind of dichotomy really shows. The, the clear agendas between a player or a reporter rather like Wojnarowski and Haynes is that, you know, you're trying to attack Kyrie so that you can kind of take away from the effectiveness of what he's trying to say so that you can ensure that the league moves forward with their plan versus Haynes, I think, kind of just more accurately repre representing what players around the league probably think about Kyrie being able to being able and being willing to take a stand. And I think that's a huge thing is that he was able to kind of say, 
you know, I know he's not playing regardless, but at the same time, it takes, I think it takes a certain amount of courage for him to be able to stand up and say, I feel like this might be, a, a, you know, in, in, not the right way of going about things. I think it takes away from the movement. And we've kind of seen Avery Bradley of the Los Angeles Lakers doing yeah. that. Dwight Howard as well. So a number of other players have kind of stepped up in this regard, but yet somehow Kyrie is the only one that gets labeled the quote unquote disruptor. I feel like that's kind of uh, disingenuous as far as the reporting is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's very fair. And um, yeah, as I said, it, it's a shame because because the main com- uh, comments came out from Kyrie, and immediately people, it's very easy to then just go on this this guy that's got this reputation and has these strange beliefs and so on. I mean, you know, w- when you look at it in the, in the black and white things of of it like that, you know, Kyrie, I, I don't anybody can have their beliefs you know people can believe that the earth is flat people can believe that there's you know in fairies and dragons and whatever they want to believe in that's up to, absolutely up to them but when you actually look at the message that he was portraying i think that that was something that um that took too much focus away from the message that he was saying which um which we'll come on to now and um you know i think that it's before we get into it i think it's quite important to say that there's probably no right or wrong answer here either way i think that the, the whole thing that they're saying here with you know, they're, all, they're creating probably the biggest amount of attention that there ever has been on what is a very serious issue. Um, and we've already seen a lot of NBA players do some incredible things and, and really use their influence to, to, to strike up this, you know, this debate that we need to have. And um, suddenly to, to be announcing that there's a plan to action and you look at people like that we've just mentioned and also, you know, Jalen Brown from the Celtics who has done brilliantly with his awareness to suddenly now say, right, OK, we're, we're going back to playing basketball. Um, c- could you look at this as that they're right? You know, this this is probably the wrong times. This is much bigger at the moment than basketball. Or are you one of these that think, well, that on the other flip scale of that, this is a, a good time to continue to push the agenda. Um, with every single day, we can be, um, you know, we can have our campaigns, we can do what we need to do, we can have our shirts, we can have our, you know, sneakers with messages on. Um, we've just, uh, over here in the UK, we've just started back, just literally the last two days, we've started back the English Premier League. And, you know, at the beginning of every game, first few seconds, everyone drops to the knee, they, they you know, to support the, the campaign. Um, everyone's got Black Lives Matters on the back of their shirts, it's coming up on the scoreline and so on. You know, it, it's constantly reminding us that, we have got to to keep banging the drum. Do you think that, as I said, there is no right or wrong answer here? And I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what, what's your thoughts on this? Where, where do you think that the, the is the best way to go before we go any further with it? Per- personally, I, I do think that it is serving more as a distraction rather than to continue to promote the movement. I feel like as great as these symbols are, and like you said, that there is no wrong way to really go about, as long as you're spreading a positive message, at the same time, I feel like it does take away from the effectiveness of this. What we're seeing here is that more often than not, that kind of loud, disruptive protesting is what in the, you know what leads to greater change, and at the very least, more awareness about issues. I mean, if we had just started wearing T-shirts a month ago after the death of George Floyd, nobody would be here. We, we, this, none of this would have been a conversation. But the reality is that people were able to go en masse out in the streets and be able to protest and bring attention to the horrors that are taking place. And, and, yeah. and so when you look at what's going on with the league, I, I feel like you have a lot of players that have their own selfish, somewhat selfish agenda, you yeah. know, like a player like LeBron James who wants to clearly win a championship. And this represents his last 
best chance more than likely of being able to win a championship. And so for him, as much as he is a vocal supporter of the movement and everything else that's taking place, he's not going to let that detract him from being able to continue playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just I feel we're at this point now where we're a little bit well past relying on symbolism and imagery and things of that sort to further the movement. It's we've been using these kinds of things for decades. And unfortunately, we're still here. Uh, we're still here trying yeah. to fight this th- these things on a daily basis. And uh, I mean, we need to have some kind of larger changes taking place here. And I don't have the answers. I don't know that there are any no. clear solutions or answers, but I just don't think that going there to play games to to that will further line the pockets of uh, you know the billionaire owners of the league that are mostly white, with mm. the exception of a, a one or two owners that are mostly you know uh, people of color. But for the exception, they're almost all white. So you're talking about further putting money in in white billionaire pockets, and that kind of changes the conversation a little bit. And uh, look, I, I mean, I I have had this discussion many times over the week because unfortunately. Yeah. A lot of people are upset with my take on it, but I mean, no one is more invested in trying to see the league move forward than I am. I mean, I cover the league. I want to be able to be there and cover games in person and things of that sort. But the reality is that if it's it's taking away from things that are probably much more important, at least to me. And so uh, that's that's some my feeling about it. And again, I know that's personal. I yep. know that there's there might be no right or wrong answer, and I can see how a lot of people believe that games being played in Orlando can further the message and bring attention to things. But I just, I just don't see that it's going to be as effective as I'd like it to be. I, I mean, wearing a t-shirt, yeah. kneeling for the national anthem, writing things in your shoes, all great things. Maybe you can film a commercial that kind of drives home the point a little bit more, but it's just for me, at least at this point, it's just not enough. I need to see much more wide sweeping change. Yeah, I think I mean it's very very difficult to to listen to you there and 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 not agree. So um, I mean you as I said, you know this this is all about opinions and it is about everyone's going to have their own thought on it. There, as I said, there's I don't believe there's a right or wrong answer to this. Um, I mean you I listen to you there and then you listen to somebody like for example Stephen A. Smith, you know national guy. He was on a few days ago saying absolutely people have got to get back to work. You know, we can't stop because of this. Uh, we, we've been talking about this for many, many years. Um, nothing's changed. We'll be talking about it in many, many or more years time. And, and we still have to get through it. All we can do is get back to work. And uh, that's just another guy's opinion. As you said, it's uh, that's what this is all about. But, and um, But tying, tying back to what I said before, I mean, think about it. Stephen A. Smith, an ESPN reporter. Yeah. He's yeah. going to have that kind of access. And of course he wants to get back to work. He, I mean, easy for him to say, yes, it's, it's time for us to get back to work when he's the one who has the, the most to benefit from everybody getting back to work, especially this, when it comes to the league and sports in general. So I, this, just, I, I kind of find that so hard to accept. I mean, and especially him as a black man in America, yeah. I just, it's, it's very difficult to hear that kind of opinion coming from him. But anyway, I, I think we probably should move on because yeah. there is no right or wrong answer. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, that's that's a very good point to make. Yeah, okay, moving off a little bit from that, but still on the same sort of situation. Now, COVID, remember, remember COVID. I sure um, do. <laughs> um, now, Florida, we're we're. I know, obviously, Orlando is in Florida, and uh, they keep having record days of more cases. Um, now, is there is there a chance that even though now we've announced this this bubble and that you know they're in these five star resorts and everybody's going to be tested multiple times and obviously the access is going to be extremely limited, but considering these numbers continue to go up in the state of Florida, is there a chance that maybe maybe the virus could could again bring this all to a halt or 
do you just see that whatever happens, we're going to see a, a resumption and an end to this season? I think they're too far along in the process. Uh, I think that with the league, um, you know, discussing this and finalizing so many, you know, thousands and thousands of minute details from traveling to accommodations and so much money involved in the process, I, I just can't see them kind of t- changing course this far along. So I think they're going to move forward and try to tighten restrictions or, you know, further increase testing or do something. They'll make changes to the plan but I don't think they can stop it at this point because it has gone so far as it has. And, and, you know, there, Florida is a huge area and it's, you can't just say the widespread testing. A lot of it is in South Florida, unfortunately, where I happen to live, I live in the Miami area. And so you see a lot of the, the positive tests coming from this area. It's also, I think, because we're, we're seeing more testing being done. And so you hear about more, you know, higher positive testing now or positive results because, because there are more tests being taken, and so that's that's a, a little you know reason why it's not. I don't think the percentage of of people that have tested positively is increased somewhat, but I think that's again because of, there have been more tests being taken over the last week or two, especially now that the restrictions have changed statewide, and that's part of the problem. Is that you know I think we're going to have to see some restrictions being enacted again because you know a couple of weeks ago they opened up parks and bars and restaurants yeah. and. And things of the sort, they're opening up movie theaters. And I i mean, just yeah. from my perspective, I can't think of sitting there for two and a half hours uh, in an enclosed environment next to people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, without a mask on for, the, for that amount of time. I mean, I feel like that's a, that's a, a powder keg waiting to go off. So. Yeah. As far as as far as the league is concerned, I think they'll they'll do more as far as security, ensuring that players don't leave the campus. And if they do wind up uh, leaving the campus, they'll probably be quarantined for a certain amount of time to ensure that they don't infect anybody else just to be precautious and and things of that sort. So we'll see how it plays out. But that's my feeling is that the league is moving forward. The the, the train has left the station and it's it's far too gone to try to pull it back. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as we say, just the the money involved, I suppose, always has to. uh has to be something that they'll always have to look look at and, and make sure there's a president for because and and actually speaking of money I think it, just before um, I spoke to you I saw um, uh, Justice Winslow ex obviously Miami Heat player um, he's been voicing his concerns and uh, frustrations about the fact that you know this is no longer about basketball it's all about money now on that sort of sense am I right in saying I think I'm right in saying that Adam Silver has told every single player that if they do not want to play, there will be no penalties. Obviously, they, they might not get paid their full proportion of their salary, but there is no penalty or no demand that they have to come back. Am I right in saying that? That That is correct. Uh, that is the, at least the latest that we've heard. I don't know if that's going to be subject to change at any point. But yes, it is voluntary for players to report to the bubble if they're one of the you know, 22 teams that are involved. Even a player like Kyrie who is not going to be playing has already said that he'd be there on the sidelines cheering on teammates and things of that sort. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't feel like justice is wrong though. I think it's always been about money and, and, but at the same time, it's so difficult for players. I mean, when you think about, you know, most players being in their mid twenties, they've been playing basketball for 15, 16 years since they were children. And this is all they know. And they're competitive. The season was cut short drastically in a way that nobody anticipated. Mm -hmm. And then they've been, I mean, I've talked to players, unfortunately for them, they, they, they've been without basketball, competitive basketball for months now. Uh, and, and so any opportunity to get back to such an integral part of their life must be something that they're all desperate to accomplish. And so it's it's kind of 
difficult to say, well, you know, you don't have to be here. You don't have to come and do this thing. But at the yeah. same time, it's it's what defines them in so many cases. And so, of course, they want to go back to playing. So it's, it's a it's a very difficult situation for a lot of players who would be weighing all these different options here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very, very strange times. Um, obviously, we're, we're still some six, seven weeks away from uh, from a resumption. And that's a that's a lot of time yet. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened over the last six, seven weeks. So uh, that's something that, is go- that, that they've got maybe going for it is that things can settle down and that the plan will continue to become a little bit more clearer. And yeah, obviously, from a selfish point of view, all of us want to see um, want to see the NBA resume. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a strange one. But um yeah, let's let's hope that they can they can find the safest and uh, most comprehensive way of getting this done. Um, okay, great. Let's move on uh, to to the next segment. Now let's talk about Miami. Now um, I want to talk about obviously the, we've we've had a long layoff. Um, maybe there's I want to see what what your thoughts are on something things that perhaps could be in favour here for Miami going forward, and maybe one or two things that maybe could could play, perhaps play against them. Um, before I give you maybe one of one or two of my takes, what what let's start with the with the positives. What what could we maybe be looking at here that could see Miami as a dark horse here that could go for them because of this extended layoff? Well, I mean, at the very least, they're getting back to full health. Uh, they were missing Myers Leonard and Tyler Hero before the hiatus took place, and those players will be back to full strength. Uh, you know, for Myers, he'll be back in the starting lineup. Tyler's going to be contributing off the bench and 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 providing some key scoring. That was sorely missing. There were moments there, as you started to see, right before the hiatus, where you know Miami was letting big leads slip away and they weren't yeah. able to come back in the fourth quarter. Those were key situations in which Tyler had been a huge part of uh, and key wins over the course of the season. So to have him back, I think, is going to be pretty significant. And I, I think they're they're going to be key contributions. They're going to be so. I mean, as healthy as they've been all season long. At the same time, they've also got. Uh, you know, the, the players they acquired from trade. So Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, yeah. and Solomon Hill will all be there. So, you know, this, the team has not been healthy all season long because either, you know, Justice Winslow was out for most of the year or they had James Johnson and, mm-hmm. and Deion Waiter suspended. So now this is finally the full version of this team. And I'm sure they'll probably risk some injury in between now and when the, the games actually start to be played and, and start to matter. But at the very least, you can go to Orlando as like I said, as healthy as you've been all season. So I think that's a huge factor in Miami's favor. And I also think that Miami is probably one of the few teams in the league that's been most united, at least publicly and from what we've heard, even somewhat internally, as far as their goal of going to Orlando, wanting to play there, and not having any significant issues about that. The goal all season long has been to be to be a championship contender when when a lot of people did not see this team as a legitimate contender at least they saw themselves internally which is why they didn't have any patience for guys like Dion or JJ and so or or justice for that matter but now that they've seen you know now that they're fully healthy now that they see themselves as a contender uh they can go there and, and I think they they have been preparing very, very publicly for some time now. I think, you know, Florida, again, being one of the few states that opened up sooner than the rest of the country, mm-hmm. you know, players were able to go to the American Airlines Arena facilities and start training uh, very early on. And so I think they've had that extra advantage. And you already know that Miami, Miami Heat players are going to be well-conditioned. They're going to be as yep. prepared as possible. So I think those factors are going to be huge for Miami and, and, and definitely in their favor. So I, I think 
I think they're going to be going to Orlando, viewing themselves as a, an upset possibility and a team that can actually contend for a title this year because the scenario is so different. So none of which, none of the things that normally play into, you know, as far as the factors in the playoffs are going to exist here. Yes, you have a deep team like the Milwaukee Bucks or the Clippers or Lakers, et cetera, but there's no home court advantage for anybody. There's no fans in the audience, nothing. All that, you know, changes the dynamic of these games so incredibly. Nobody knows what to expect. But yeah. so everybody kind of starts off at the same level. And for Miami, with their talent, their depth, and their well-trained and, and well-coached team, I think they have huge advantages there. Yeah, that, absolutely. And I think that, yeah, the, the key ones there, obviously, I, I had my little list there, and you've actually rattled off quite a lot of them, as I'd expected you to. So, yeah, full full health is obviously the main one, I believe, there. I mean, you look at the the contributions that, that Maz Leonard had uh, in his whenever he was starting before his injury. And I think, I, I, I may not be exactly accurate at this, but I believe we were something like 31 and 10 in the games that he started um, you know that's that's not to be dismissed at all. We just had this um, this great chemistry we had with this team, and um, yeah, I think that you know along with that, as you said, Tyler Harrow now coming back, us being able to maybe have another option off the bench. When, as you quite rightly said, over these last few weeks before we locked down, uh, maybe just struggling a little bit to close out games, and that was mainly due to the absence of Tyler. So to have that um, that facility back in your armory is uh, is really encouraging. Um, I also think that. Um, you know, we're just the fact that we're a, we're a young team. You know, it's difficult to know really which way to put this. In some of the teams that you know maybe are carrying some older legs, um, there might be an argument to say, well, they're now refreshed. But then you could go the other way and say, you know, perhaps it, are that can they come back and get into action as quickly as maybe a Miami Heat team could do? That's got a lot more youthful uh, look to it. So I think that's something um, to to, to recognise that perhaps we that this young youthful. Uh, exuberance that we show could be uh, another thing that could be a big plus for us um and uh yeah i think that um one one final thing was as i said the uh just the fact that we're back at full full strength we've got an incredible leader um in jimmy i think that um that that's exciting i think that the people are maybe just starting to i mean i saw the uh the um, the percentages come out not long ago uh, to say that we had something like a 2.6 or a 2.9 percent chance uh, to get to the finals. I think that was quite disrespectful. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm not expecting us to be up there with the favourites, but come on, 2.9. Were you having that, David? <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I understand why the math is geared the way it is. It's going to be a long journey or difficult journey for any team, really. But it, yeah, I mean, it did seem maybe a little disrespectful there just because I, I guess I, I think a lot of people just have discounted what this team has been able to accomplish all year. Yeah. Like the, the Jimmy situation could have proved to be you know very disastrous for Miami because, you know, obviously his chemistry wasn't great in Philadelphia and it certainly was much worse than that in Minnesota too. And, and so I, I think a lot of people assumed that they would just be able to go, that Jimmy was going to join his team and things would fall apart. And instead the, the exact inverse happened. Um, so my question is more to your point, though, you know, as much as youth might be a positive factor, I think it'd also be a negative one there because yes. that was one of my big concerns was yes. how Duncan Robinson, who's going to be such a huge factor for Miami's offense and Kendrick Nunn, how they're going to handle the pressure yep. of being in a playoff type scenario. And and I'm not sure that they're going to necessarily respond as well. Tyler, I think he's different. He's cut from a different cloth. He's more... <laughs> 
a guy who's just he just is willing to take those shots and he doesn't seem to care about the intensity of the moment. And that's also why I feel like a, a guy like Andre Iguodala was such a huge acquisition for Miami. As much as mm. you don't want to give up the talent of a Justice Winslow, getting a guy like Iguodala who's been there, who knows what it takes to get to the finals and win and then, again, be a, a huge factor in the finals is, is such, a, such a great thing for Miami to have because he brings that championship experience that was so lacking. I mean, you have Udonis Haslam on the floor. You have him you know, in the locker room, and obviously he has that experience as well. But it's a little different with a player who's a little bit more contemporary like Iguodala and, and is still going to be a regular part of the rotation. Yeah, I, I did also. Um, I mean, when I said about obviously being a youthful team, I, that, that's mainly due to just the the, 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 re- the return of of this team and how they could just literally swing back into action because of the their, their youthful exuberance. But I did also totally agree with you. I had that on my on my perhaps my my negative list is the fact that we just don't know about probably three four of these new players. They just got no playoff experience at all, and uh, it was how they was going to handle that. Um, so yeah, I, t- I totally put that on point. I think that the only other thing that maybe could go in the fa- in our favour is I don't see many teams with the with, with the actual depth that the Heat have. I mean, now that we've added players like Iguodala, Jay Crowder, um, et cetera, into this team. I mean, you, you could look at a, a second string outfit here where you've got, you know, some some solid... I mean, you, you could even be looking at players like Kelly Olynyk, for example, as, as like a 10th or 11th man uh, in this team, which is it's just huge. These are great, very savvy, good quality, all-round good NBA players. And uh, that goes really deep. And there's not many teams that can boast that um, in, in this uh, this final scenario here. So I think that could be a plus. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think their depth has been a huge plus all season. And it gives Spolstra such a, a great you know ability to combine different players, tinker with different lineups and see whatever works, especially in this kind of shortened season, uh, you know, this mini season and, and this intense playoff type scenario that we're looking at. So, yes, he has a lot of options at his disposal, a lot of versatility. And that's been part of you know what the the roster building has was supposed to be like over the last couple of years, but it just didn't work out because you didn't have a clear cut leader like Jimmy. And now you do, and, and so that kind of changes things. But at the same time, you have all these players that are so great, versatile offensively and defensively, and, and again, that leads to a lot of options, a lot of maneuverability. Uh, you know, just you can just do so much. That versatility is going to be such a key factor in the playoffs, and for them to be healthy again is is, is incredible for Miami. I think yeah. I think they should definitely be considered one of the top two maybe three teams in the eastern conference although you can't mm-hmm. discount toronto mm-hmm. or, or boston because i think they have some depth there as yes. well if they're gonna if they are able to get their players back fully healthy toronto in particular um i think they could be a pretty dangerous group and you know, of course milwaukee as long as you have yeah, an mvp course. like Giannis, i mean that's uh <laughs> that's a pretty dangerous team although miami yeah. miami has the kind of defensive you know yeah. They have the defensive bodies that can make things difficult for him, which is part of why I like Miami's chances against Milwaukee. Is you have Bam, you have Iguodala, mm-hmm. you have Crowder, you have Jimmy. You have these four different versatile defenders that can create that wall to limit what Giannis can do. And and so they mm-hmm. can keep him away from the rim. They can keep him from getting too comfortable. And uh, I think they can, really, they can really make some noise here. It should be very, very interesting. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, Milwaukee haven't found an answer to Miami yet this season. We've definitely had their number so far. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think if that does become the series that perhaps it's expected to do, 
Um, that's going to be a cracker, without a doubt. The only other thing before we move on to the final segment um, that I had down as perhaps a negative is, um, I mean, I don't know if I saw this as a negative or not, but I have down as the the suddenly the tough running that we've been given. Um, I mean, we we actually had one of the easier runnings um, in the regular season to to close out um, the, the, at the regular season, and now we've been given uh, quite a brutal uh, shape. Would you would you say this? You could swing this though, maybe to say, well, it's almost like you're going straight into the playoffs with this sort of level of uh, of opposition, and um, that in the in the long run could maybe benefit the Heat. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. I think it could be very beneficial to this team, and it all. I mean, any opinion of mine would be kind of uh, you know too too far in advance because I don't know what I don't know how this team is going to look as soon as they come back. Because I mean, yeah. we can expect. We can expect every team to be somewhat shaky. I think they're just, you know, with such a long layoff and such a weird environment, it's going to be mm-hmm. very difficult for them to kind of just jump back into place the way they were a few months ago. But yeah. at the same time, uh, for Miami, that kind of helps sharpen the edge a little bit as they enter the playoffs. They can say, well, every game from here on out, the next eight regular season games are virtually a playoff-like mentality. And, and so that kind of helps helps them focus now that they're healthy, now that they, they're a full team for the first time all season. Um, you know, that'll help, I, I think, kind of energize them and, and narrow their focus. And and I think the factor here is also Eric Spolstra. I think his experience guiding teams to the final, something that Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee hasn't done or Brad Stevens hasn't done. Between him and Nick Nurse, those are the mm-hmm. only two coaches in the Eastern Conference with championship experience that can actually teach their teams how to prepare for this bubble and everything else that it involves. So I, I think it should be a huge advantage for Miami. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be um, <laughs> it's going to be strange. It's going to be different. I think we're going to see some weird results. We're going to see some uh, some odd occurrences. But um, who knows? Yes, it's going to be exciting if we uh, hopefully do get underway. Um, brilliant. Right. Let's go on to the final uh, segment here. Now, we all love our trade talk. Um, I'm not, we're not going to we're just going to cover a couple of players that in the last week or two, we've uh, we've had a, a, a link to, shall we say. Now, it's no secret. Uh, there's no point covering it because there's no secret. We all know who we're after uh, in the next couple of years. Um, it's been heavily reported that we're, we're going to try and keep a space open to make a, 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 a bigger run as possible to, to land our, our wow in Giannis. Um, but let's just have a look at some of the other the other players that have been mentioned in the last week or two. Um, I'll fire just a couple of names. I just want to see if you think that this would maybe be a good acquisition or whether you think this is a no-goer and maybe some if it's a realistic chance of being pulled off. Um, so let's just let's just rattle through a couple of them. So first name that came up a week or two ago, uh, DeMarcus Cousins on a short-term deal. I don't see it. Um, it. You know, obviously not for this season. I know he's a free agent currently because he was waived by the Los Angeles Lakers, and so he could join a team in the playoff bubble. Uh, but I just don't think that Miami needs him right now. And I, additionally, I think there's just too many questions about chemistry and things of that sort. Next season, that's a different scenario, and I think they would have to meet with Demarcus clearly and then have get his opinion, get talk to him and see whether or not he's fully on board as far as winning a championship. There is a relationship there because he did play with Jimmy Butler in the past Olympic team there. So there's a connection. I, I think, uh, you know, he's also a, a former Kentucky player. So there's a, yeah. a, maybe a slim connection there to Bam as well. So there's, a, there's been mutual interest there over the last couple of years. And I think if DeMarcus can get anywhere near healthy to the point where he was just a few seasons ago, he could be an impactful player. I, I think also uh, rather important part here is that we probably will be losing Myers Leonard in free agency. And so you're mm-hmm. going to need to replace him somehow. And I think with Boogie 
and his ability to stretch the floor and be a big body, he, he certainly looks like an interesting option. So for this season, no. But beyond that, I, I think he's a realistic option. I could see it happening. Yeah. So do you think that he'll come back this season, maybe for the Lakers? I know he's not no. there at the moment, but re-sign? No? No, I don't. I don't think he's healthy, and I don't think he's nearly as effective right now. So I, I no. he's had time to recover, obviously, with the hiatus, but I don't think he's back yet. And and I don't know why he would want to take that chance just mm. to join a team here. So I, it would just it would further put his career and maybe his overall health at risk. Yeah. I mean, whatever happens, I, I'd love to just see him get back to, to what we know he can do because uh, he's just a brute of a player and uh, just been really unfortunate with injuries uh, with Golden State and then and when LA Lakers. So whatever happens, uh, we'd like to see DeMarcus get back to full health. Um, next up, uh, a name that is probably the most recent to, to come out, uh, Paul Millsap. I love Millsap. I mean, I've talked to Paul a few times and he is... You know, to hear him talk about basketball and his approach, it's it's such a perfect fit for Miami because he is one of those players that loves the work above all else, and and that's that was one of the stories I wrote about him was that his just his laser like focus on just continuing to improve. He's one of those few guys that doesn't need the accolades, that doesn't care about the 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 kind of individual recognition as far as his game is concerned. He is a steady rock of a player that just continues to be effective, and his defensive tenacity. Um, his, his shooting ability, all the little steady things that he's been able to do over the course of his career makes him a great fit. I don't know how much money he'll command as a free agent, and I think that's a big question here because although he's been somewhat limited due to age and his role in Denver, I could still see him getting a, a fairly decent play. This is his last chance at getting yeah. a, a paycheck, uh, although he's made a lot of money over the course of his career, so maybe his priorities have changed. And if he sees Miami as a legitimate title contender and he's willing to take a short-term, maybe a one-year deal so that he doesn't hinder Miami's free agent chances in 2021 with Giannis, then I could see that being a, a one-year deal maybe for like $5, 6000000 million. But that would depend on... Miami's own free agency situation because they've got Goran Dragic, they've got Duncan Robinson in the future. They have so many different players that they have to look at, and Myers Leonard, as I said before. So for them to focus on Paul, I, I think he brings a lot to this team. Um, you lose Myers in free agency probably, and then you kind of shift Bam back to the center position. You bring Paul Millsap in, and all of a sudden you have two guys that are versatile defenders that can stretch the floor a little bit. I don't know if I like the fit of Millsap and Adebayo as much as I like uh, Adebayo and Leonard because Leonard obviously stays out of the paint. He's not; He doesn't need to be in the restricted area in order to be effective, whereas Millsap, I think, he does a lot of his work you know, getting closer to the rim and things of that sort, not like Myers at all. So it's uh, it should be interesting. I like the fit. As far as the probability is concerned, I think he's definitely on Miami's radar. Okay. Yeah. No problem. And just before we come on to my last one, um, just you mentioned there about free agency. Now, do you see this being a situation where um, Goran and probably Derek Jones are the ones that are going to take priority at the the four key uh, free agency signings, which means probably Leonard and maybe Jay Crowder don't come back, or do you, do you see it maybe going another way? You know, uh, I I don't know that they're as uh, high on Derek Jones Jr. as everybody else is. I mean, Derek is. A fun player. He's exciting. He's a great defensive player and everything else like that. But I don't think they want to throw mm. that much money on him, considering you know what they what their plans are for the future. Yeah. Uh, that would be my feeling. I feel like Myers, being a, a seven footer who can shoot three pointers at almost a forty five percent rate, 
is going to get a lot more attention around the league than than a guy like Derek Jones Jr. So, I mean, I would have to assume that Myers is probably gone because he's still in the peak of his career. Goran's a little bit older, so he's not going to command as much money. Yeah, Crow- It's going to come down to either Crowder or Derek Jones Jr. as far as who the team values most. Mm-hmm. And I think you could probably get Crowder for a cheaper deal and, and he might fit what Miami does a little bit better. Uh, although the ceiling is higher for Derek Jones Jr., I think that Miami would be willing to take a chance at letting him go because I don't know that any other team is going to be able to bring out that potential in him as effectively as Miami. And so other teams are going to try to overpay, assuming that they're going to be able to get the most out of Derek. And unfortunately for Derek, the best team that gets that potential out of him is probably Miami, but they just don't have the kind of money to throw at him. So I would, I would assume if you're looking at those four free agents, you probably keep Goran and Crowder and you unfortunately lose Myers and and Derek Jones Jr. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Right. So the final player I'm going to give you here, and this is actually a 2021 um, free agent because uh, it was mentioned that if we, we do fall short and and not, be successful in landing uh, our number one target, which is Giannis. Um, I'm going to give you the choice here because the, 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 the fullback options we're saying are Victor Oladipo and Bradley Bill. Um, now, what, if it's down to you, obviously both exceptional players, but who's the better fit for Miami here? Who would you be taking out of those two? Uh, I think it's Beal. I think while Beal isn't a, an incredible defender or anything like that, he's still young enough where he can be effective. And I think there are significantly less health concerns for for Bradley Beal than there are for Oladipo. And, and so that's, I mean, when you look at it, and I've seen this point recently, you know, for Oladipo, he's only had run really above average season. Yeah. And I mean, that was a great season. And I think he's a good fit in Miami because of his personality, his temperament and everything else. But at the same time, there have been health concerns. He never reached his potential in Orlando. I mean, he was playing a very weird role in Oklahoma City, and then he just has that one really good year in Indiana, and then unfortunately this season he just hasn't been effective. So, yeah. with Oladipo, it's just you just don't know what you're going to get, and if you're going to be throwing away a lot of money at a player, you'd rather have somebody that's much more of a sure fit and a sure bet, and that's Beal, who is young. He's a very underrated playmaker, so another versatile option on offense, a guy who can bring the ball down, get everybody going into their sets and things of that sort, and he can create plays for others. Uh, he can obviously shoot the ball incredibly well. And so that's a, a great floor spacer, another playmaker to bring in there. In addition to, you can move Kendrick Nunn to the you know quasi point guard position with either Beal or Jimmy Butler handling the ball. And then again, you have all these guys that can stretch the floor so well. It could be a really, really exciting offense with Beal here as opposed to Oladipo. So if I had to rank him, I'd say Beal is your bigger priority. And mm-hmm. then you know just below him is Oladipo, especially if, if you have any kind of lingering health concerns. So we'd have to see how he responds this season and next. Yeah. But uh, even then, you're still taking a chance because all these injuries will start to kind of creep up as he ages. And you don't want to you don't want to throw a five year deal at a player like that where you're paying him north of 30 million dollars a year and then have mm. him break down halfway through it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Absolutely. And um, who knows? Let's see. Uh, Pat, Pat may have one more wave of his magic wand and it, he might even be able to get both. Who knows? We'll never put anything back past Pat Riley. Um, or right. no, who knows how that uh, money would work out? Probably have to end up playing with about six players. But there we go. That's uh, that's brilliant. Well, David, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time. Always fascinating to listen to, to you. Um, where can people find you on Twitter, both yourself and, uh, and on your Locked On? network well they can uh, follow me personally at d ramil 13 that's d-r-a-m-i-l 13 or you can follow me at locked on heat for the latest news about the team and the podcast so uh you're doing great work dan and uh i'm glad that to, to see that a lot of people are listening to your show across the pond and and that you're bringing that great content and keeping everybody informed about the team that we all follow 
I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I love it. I've, I watch every single game live. Um, it's uh, I just miss it so much. But hopefully we can we can see a a safe and uh, just get get us back watching uh, the, the sport we love and things can settle down. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the end of the season. Um, David, that was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Uh, take, continue to take care and um, hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.